This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Hi, everyone. This is Matthew Pruce at Comstock Investments. I'm with Eric Rolf in our Royal Iowa office. I'm coming to you from Brazil. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today? Uh, good. Wishing, uh, wishing we'd have seen a little different ink on the screen today, but it is what it is. Yeah, we had a very busy week, didn't we? Um, oh, wow. The week, uh, we're kind of getting drug all over the place. Lots of volatility. You know, we're, everyone's keep saying that we need to get used to these, uh, 20, 30, 40 cent, uh, daily ranges, but I tell you, it's, it's pretty, it's easier said than done. It's hard to get used to these. At least, at least when you're, it's going the wrong way. It's yeah, or when you're on the right side of it. But, uh, you know, we're kind of excited starting out the week, moving quite a bit higher. You know, we started the week, uh, in December corn right at $6. We opened, we moved up nearly 30 cents at, uh, 6.29 and three quarters. And then we settled back down lower for the week at 5.88. So just a lot of volatility. If you didn't know any better, didn't know what was going on and looked at the charts, I'm kind of a chart guy. You would think, oh boy, we've topped out here. You know, what, what do you say to that? You know, looking at the charts, we've kind of left the long tail. We've sold off pretty hard. Um, the market is very sensitive to any pending moisture in the forecast. Obviously we've been dry, but the market, this, at least the last yesterday and today is saying, Hey, look, it looks like, you know, at least a lot more areas are going to get some rain here in the next uh, several days or, in the, or at least in the 10 day forecast. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, like you said, from a chartist standpoint, it sure doesn't look good. When you consider what's going on in certain areas of the country, it's hard to wrap your head around any kind of retreat. But the fact of the matter is, when you move that far, that fast, like we did in corn and soybeans over the past couple of weeks, there's going to be a reprieve, some kind of retracement setback profit will be taken and there's plenty of reason to be looking for that profit to be taken. I mean, we're, we're headed into kind of a whirlwind of stuff here. We've got super excessive weather volatility and vulnerability right now. We're at, we're at that stage in many parts of the country where the weather just can make or break a, a farm operation for the year. So that becomes very touchy. Then you add in the fact that next Friday is the quarterly grain stocks and planted acreage report at 11 o'clock next Friday morning. And we seem to be overreactive to the weekly crop progress reports with good cause. I mean, we saw corn go backwards six points in the good to excellent category last week. Beans retreat five points. Those are massive drops. And you've got areas along the Mississippi corridor and then outward from there, in particularly Illinois, Michigan, Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, and extreme eastern Iowa. They, they are, they're hurting. And, and it's bad. We actually have some clients that have already zeroed out crops. So the, the storyline is real. Eventually fundamentals will win, but funds will take profit based on technicals. And I think that's what we've seen. You know, the, the challenge in this is there, there's always troubled spots, right? You know, there's your good areas and your bad areas. Of course, the question is how big are those bad areas? Uh, the market's seen this in the past where you know, there's areas in West Central Iowa the last couple of years that got zeroed out that they planted and then it just never rained again the entire season. You know, so it sounds pretty horrible, but the market just shrugged that off and uh, and kept moving lower because it decided it just wasn't a big enough area. Uh, I think it was last year up in uh, more uh, northwest Minnesota, 
there was an area that uh, got some heavy snow when they planted, you know, uh, they were planting into June, their corn well into June and past the pre-event plant date. And they still went ahead and planted anyway. And, and uh, you know, in July, it was just uh, ankle high. And I drove past some of it and, and uh, you know, the market just shrugged that off. And they still probably ended up, you know, doing okay in terms of yield. And so that's the, it's so spotty. It, that's what the market is, is grappling with. You know, they're trying to see, okay, who's getting enough? You know, even if there are dry areas, you know, an inch rain doesn't fix the drought, you know, doesn't stop the drought, but it maybe no. stops the crops from deteriorating and, and getting worse. And, and just, just that, you know, is enough for the market to respond and maybe move lower. And so, you know, that's the challenge uh, that we're facing. And I guess earlier in the week, it seemed like a lot of the forecast as, as it's done in the last couple of weeks, has come and gone where it showed rain and then a day later it went away and and uh, oh, so right. a lot of those for most of June it seems like a lot of the rainfall has not materialized as as we had hoped now once again you know we're looking out and and uh, the first couple of days of July is showing pretty solid rainfall for a lot of the northwest part of the Corn Belt and a good portion of Iowa now there's still parts of Illinois that I think might get left out. You know, lots of Indiana, Ohio are getting rain. And so you're getting to the point where you're covering up, you know, 85, 90% of the Corn Belt is getting some rain. And so that, that's, I, that's what the market, I think, looked at today and saying, okay, it's Monday. We're probably going to see crop conditions deteriorate, uh, further because we didn't get too much rain this week, but they're probably, I'm, I'm concerned the market is going to look past that and say, okay, in another five days, though, rain's on the way. And so. You know, crop is is maybe saved. I wouldn't say saved, but uh, it, it's gonna uh, stop it from getting worse, maybe. So well, and and that's part of the struggle we have. You know, it's a futures market. It's not a today market. It's always forward looking, and so yeah, we we are definitely going to move based on the weather events that we see over the weekend. We we will see the reaction to that Sunday night into Monday, but then it's right back to what does the forecast look like. And it, and it's just going to depend on if they start pulling this moisture out. Now we've seen it time and again this year where we see that in that six to 10 day time frame, it's out there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And as we get close, it dissipates and eventually disappears. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people are, are not willing to hang their hat on the idea that it's going to come through, but you know, it, the market's still going to trade it to an extent, at least until proven otherwise. Yeah. It, you know, I think in the June crop report, the USDA obviously did not uh, make any adjustments on the, uh, the the corn or soybean yields, but I think they're they're going to have to now in the July report. The question, oh, you would think, yeah. Yeah, the question is by how much. And so there's been a lot of private estimates already saying, you know, okay, we're down to – 177, maybe 175, 174 in the, in the national corn yield and maybe shaved off a bushel and a half in the, in the soybean yield. You know, what do you have any opinion on that? Where do you think we're at right now? Yeah. So, you know, again, that's variable by area. You know, I, my mom's North farm, she will have 200 to 220 corn on a field that normally goes 150, 160. Uh, you know, I was out there last week. It's nine feet tall and tasseling. It just looks perfect. And that's in Southeast Kansas. So you have those kind of spots. But if we're relying on Kansas to be the heart of the belt this year, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble. 
So I think initially I would expect to see the USDA come in somewhere around the 180 mark, you know, uh, one and a half ish decline from where they started. And I wouldn't be surprised to see the beans a half to a bushel lower. USDA is not going to give us what maybe we think we're going to see. They're going to work towards what we might end up with. And so you can't expect a lot out of this July report, but I think that would set a trend and most people are aware of that. And that may give us the, the gumption to make another move higher if we do start seeing the USDA make some trims in that July report, which by all accounts they should. Now I can talk to guys in Northeast Iowa, say, you know, we're going to be lucky to be 40 bushel back APH on the corn if we start getting rain soon. And if we can make six bushel under APH on the beans, that would be a gift. Yeah. You know, just a, a quick comment too on, you know, I know basis is, is uh, very regional and it can vary, you know, obviously um, from location to location, but it was notable that in our area this week, uh, the local ethanol plant, despite the market, uh, uh, moving dramatically higher up 30 cents, they switched from the July to the September contract and then they proceeded to reduce the uh, basis by about 25 cents this week. And so that was in addition to uh, the market ended up about 12 cents lower. And so at yeah. least in, in that area, which did not have a stellar uh, production season uh, last year, um, you know, they're kind of acting like they got enough corn for the time being and, and uh, they can make it to, to harvest. Yeah. And I think you're seeing that all over, uh, maybe not from some of these guys that are looking to ship down the river or whatever, some of these cooperatives and elevators, but with regards to ethanol plants and even feedlots in the, in the Southern Plains, they seem to have old crop needs met based on what we've seen in the basis. And that is so often a precursor as to what we'll see in the market. And that is what we saw this week. You know, you saw that basis start to erode first to last week, spent about 10 days working its way lower, whether it was from a shift to September or a reduction in the basis or, or a combination of both, but you know, Southwest Kansas cash corn is 80 cents cheaper than it was two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it was notable that despite um, this rally that we've had here the last couple of weeks, the cash price really never got above $7 and they pretty much drawn a line in the sand and said that is the, you know, the absolute most that we're going to pay for the corn. And, right. and, uh, and so I, you know, you don't, it depends on region to region, right? But, uh, right. They're they're obviously going to protect their uh, their profit margins and and I wonder if that's kind of the same uh, case well, in other places. And and while the number changes from region to region, there is a number in every region. Yeah. And once you know this was a scenario where we got there, guys didn't sell, they waited, we fell off, they they suffered because of it, and you know then you get into a situation where okay, if we get back there, I'm going to make these sales. We get back there, they make some sales, it backs off again, it happens again, you know, fool me three or four times, eventually I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure this out. And $7 was shaking grain loose. And every time we got up there, they got more grain procured until they got what they needed. Yeah, they probably didn't need to, to bid any higher than that. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, producers kind of clean the bins here on this, on this most recent rally. And I think most did. I think most wanted to be sold by the 4th of July. $7 cash was as good as they had done all season. And I, I think a lot of them did get it done. Yeah. 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 I, I saw people bragging on, you know, Facebook saying how, oh, they still had some old crop left on this rally, but 
you know, I was thinking, well, what does that do for your cash price though? Cash price isn't necessarily going up. And so it didn't really make any sense. Their argument that, uh, you know, they were thinking they were a big deal because they still had some old crop left and they were bragging on social media about it. But uh, they might be surprised when they go get their actual cash bid that it didn't really change or it even went down. Uh, and so, right. um, it's, it's, uh, it's more about the, you gotta know what your cash price is, not just what the futures are doing too. So. Well, yeah. And that's one of the disadvantages to a heavily inverted market. Yes. An inverted market is bullish when you have front month outpacing everything else. It means people want the grain and they want it now. But as time moves on, we, we wind down the marketing year and, and the price doesn't improve. Yeah. Well, obviously going into next week here, you know, it, it, all eyes are on weather. Um, we do have the uh, planting uh, acreage update here. What is that, June uh, 30th? Is that right? Uh, Friday Friday at 11, we get two whole yeah. hours to trade that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Usually that report can be a big deal, but I'm thinking this year uh, people are only going to care about it for a couple hours on Friday, and then once it's passed, they're going to go right back to trading the weather again. So. And that's most likely the scenario that'll play out. I, I just, man, I hate these Friday reports and the dates are just working out that way this year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the, the probably the bigger report is going to be with the, the uh, July crop report, right? When we get to see what the USDA makes adjustments to. And so we got a little while yet until we get to that point. So. Um, well, and that quarterly stocks next Friday, you know, we we need to keep a close eye there because we could see some, we could see some demand adjustments in that stock report that would then be reflected again on the July report. So we're worth watching for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, uh, you know, we had the, uh, we we're just talking before we started here about the, the cattle on feed update that just came out. Uh, what did you kind of glean from that? Yeah. So the expectations were pretty bullish and the report did not live up to expectations, particularly on the placement numbers. And, and we had noted in our morning report today that that was a wide range of estimates for that particular line item. And so it, ultimately we come in, the, the average trade guess for placements is a 101.7 and then we print a 105. And I mean, the argument that, that I've made many times and that we've written in our report several times is, where else are they going to go? And so we've, we've come into this odd scenario where the, the plain states pasture ground has improved all the way from Montana to Texas. And, and everybody's aware of that. Everybody knows that. And so I think they were looking for uh, a bit of a, a change in the, in the whole setup and a little smaller number on the placement side. However, a lot of that improvement on the pasture in, in the plain states was offset by uh, degrading conditions throughout many areas of the Corn Belt. And, you know, I had one client in Kansas who shipped cattle out to Illinois early spring because he found some grass. So he pays to have him trucked out there. Well, then Illinois starts drying up and he's really not in great shape still in his little pocket of Kansas. So he's not going to pay to truck them back. So, well, we'll just sell them there. Well, where are they going to go? They're going to go to a feedlot. So, you know, you have scenarios like that that'll play out where the cattle still end up going on commercial feed. 
and pin space is just continues to expand. So it, it's not a, a huge surprise. And especially this is during a time frame when generally for the month of May, we were looking at lower grain prices. So guys were more willing to buy the cattle and put them on feed because we didn't really see the, the price increases until June. Well, this is all data as of June 1. So that wasn't really accounted for either. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how much such pasture areas have probably changed, right? Because it's you know oh, wow. right in the eastern Corn Belt, but that's not the case everywhere. You know, Colorado and Texas and uh, Kansas—they've all been getting really good rains here to the point where there's been a lot of regional flooding in some areas, and so I would think that the the scenario, pasture scenario, has changed dramatically. Well, yeah, and and two that if that impacts what double crop areas there are. You know, I had people questioning me over the last couple of days, well, what are they going to do in Kansas? And everybody, because belt producers are generally corn and soybeans, everybody assumes that, well, when they get that wheat out, they can go back in with beans and get double crop beans out of it. But they almost discourage bean production in a lot of areas of the Southern Plains uh, because it's so expensive to move the grain to other areas that can actually utilize it because we haven't seen any crush plants completed so soybean demand down there is pretty dismal. So it promotes milo or grain sorghum. And, you know, I've got buddies out in western Kansas telling me that uh, they're they're kind of laughing about it. They're like, man, we want to plant milo, but we can't. It's too wet. So it's going to it's going to make another little odd scenario that we haven't seen maybe twice in in uh, the last 30 years. Yeah. But, you know, looking at the, the charts, you know, obviously cattle have had a really good run here. And we've been saying for a while that, you know, the market might be getting overheated and could use a correction. And mm. it, it seems like we've been getting that right. And so, yeah. is the you know, you look at the feeder cattle, you know, you might be thinking, well, is the is that correction now over? Because it's sold off pretty hard from its low. But uh, you, you're maybe in a little different camp that you think that the market's uh, – Still got more room to the downside? I think it does have room. We did take out trendline support in several key contracts, um, although after the finish today, we, we finished the week back above that. So I, I don't know that it quite mitigates it, but but the trade happened. We did take out trendline support. We know we do have the potential for weakness to get it down there. And I think there's just been a little shift that uh, there for a while, so many people were of the mindset that it can't go anywhere but up. And then they got caught a little off guard and didn't have protection in place. And so now I believe, and this is just my opinion, talking to, to producers um, in, in my book of business, I believe they're going to, to, to capitalize on these rallies and get some hedging done. And that's something that we probably haven't seen much pressure from, particularly on the feeder cattle side for a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess going into uh, the weekend – you know, obviously we're, you know, when we've been talking about how a lot of these, uh, looks like most of the, the rainfall is going to show up 10 days from now, um, you know, in that first couple days of July, which tend to be the, the least accurate. And so that's, that's something else that we've got to be careful about, right? Cause it seems like the, the forecasts have been wrong here the last several weeks. And so, you know, the market's going to be very sensitive. Um, you know, how, what recommendations would you give the guys that are on the sideline right now? Should they, uh, you know, go back to, we, it wasn't that long ago we were pulling our hedges here or we were placing hedges and then we're pulling them because the market's going higher. We went from a weather, 
uh, scared to weather events. And so it's just really tough to trade these markets. You know, what, uh, what recommendations would you give them? Well, the first and foremost is this is a market that requires agility. Um, this is not a market for people that sit on positions longer term. I, I, I wasn't going to throw him under the bus, but I will. This is not a market for people like your dad who will hold on to a position. You know, I've, I've made the comment before that he is, uh, he's an investor, not a trader. Um, and, and people like that, uh, they either have to shift their mentality a little bit or just wait for a more trending market because we've talked a lot about the volatility and volatility is one thing, but when it's, when it's non-directional, that's, that's another thing altogether. And that's kind of what we're seeing here. And it's not that they're just chopping sideways or anything. It's swift moves both directions. And I think that that is going to create an environment that you have to protect yourself, either that or use option strategies that are a little lower risk that that give you some staying power. But those are the kinds of things we're looking at here. And, you know, I, I think my biggest stance right now is I come from an area where we felt like we lived under an umbrella most of the time. When you're dry for a long period of time, the dryness seems so difficult to break and you can go way longer than you expected without any moisture. And for the, for the sake of the central corn belt, I hope that's not what's going to happen for them in the long term. But I, I've experienced it too many times where you see these forecasts, you see these rains and then they're, they're just a, an oasis that never can quite reach. Yeah. The one saving grace that I see today is that we've had pretty moderate temperatures up until this point, and you can also argue that, well, the the corn and beans haven't had a very high moisture demand up to this point, but that's going to change here pretty quickly, you know, where, you know, some of the earlier planted stuff is entering into pollination here pretty soon, and uh, eventually things are going to warm up even more, but looking out in the next week, I thought the temperatures were still pretty moderate, and that's going to work into, uh, you know, everyone's favor, I think, too. Uh, you know, get, maybe it's not going to be quite as much stress on the crops. And so I thought that was good. But uh, eventually I think we're going to run into those 90-plus, uh, you know, 100-degree days in July that we're used to. And uh, and the moisture needs to be there or it's going to um, – things are going to go backwards in a hurry. Yeah, and and to that point, I mean – at some point you have to, you have to figure there, there's going to be a complete lack of subsoil moisture in some of the, the black dirt areas. And if we're not there in a lot of spots, we're getting awful close. And, you know, I've talked to guys from Iowa and Illinois over the last couple of days that, you know, we're, we're getting awfully close. Start, starting to see the lighter spots curl up and things of that nature. Yeah. Soybeans are just at standstills. Here's where uh, that expensive soil type, you know, starts to make a difference because I think the uh, a lot of the lighter ground is already kind of toast, but some of that heavier ground is holding on here yet. And so, um, right, you know, this is this is one of those years when it, when that uh, that the more expensive uh, heavier dirt pays off. So, well, right. do you have any other, I guess, ending comments here before we call it a weekend? Well, yeah. So um, you, we already talked about the cattle on feed. Um, I, I guess I just wanted to bring to light uh, a couple of things. One is also today at two o'clock, we got cold storage. Uh, beef stocks were sharply higher. Uh, pork stocks slightly lower. 
So we are starting to see a shift there. Uh, my guess would be in demand uh, or on the demand side due to pricing at, uh, at the retail end. So that's something to keep an eye on. This was the first time we've seen that last month. It was the opposite. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that as we move forward. That, that in conjunction with that Catalan feed report could really hurt the cattle market come first to next week. So that's one thing. The other is crop progress report Monday at three o'clock. Highly watched. We're going to be looking for further crop deterioration in both corn and soybeans, particularly on that state by state basis. And all eyes will be on Illinois that came in at 36% good to excellent in the corn last week. Then on Thursday at two o'clock, we have the quarterly hog and pig report. Uh, that'll be watched closely in addition to this cold storage depletion to see if maybe we're going to see another move in the hogs. And then Friday, we've already talked about 11 a.m quarterly grain stocks, and planted acreage reports. So a lot of stuff coming up here before we finish out June. All right, yeah, a lot of things to look forward to. So, all right, well, thank you, Eric, and uh, enjoy the week. Yeah, no problem. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at comstock.com. Or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial. Each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.